0: My name is Ray. I am Shirley.
1: My name is Jeff.
0: Hi, I'm Trish.
1: My family was
0: very dad-dominated. Dad made all the decisions in our home. Mine was very mother-dominated and totally void of love or grace.
1: I had just lost my marriage of 35 years and was finally waking up to how stuck I was in selfishness. and self-directing my life
0: and then I started thinking I don't like being a people pleaser I'm going to be a controller and I started controlling things. We both believed that if we faithfully walked with Christ there wouldn't be any real problems to deal with but saying that we found ourselves dealing with some really heavy issues of incest and abuse
1: Once the pain healed, it would have been so easy for me to jump right back on that course of selfishness and start playing God again and and really getting stuck all over again.
0: We feel very passionate about reaching out to families that are dealing with the same pain and hurt that we've had to deal with.
1: And so I stayed in divorce recovery and I eventually became a leader in that group and then went on to receive training and become a biblical counselor here through Overlake's uh, Carry Ministries program.
0: Today we are serving as biblical counselors and are working to begin a support group to reach out to families in pain from AIDS and other similar issues. And today I am blessed to serve with my amazing husband Jeff in pre-marriage classes for people looking to get married, and Jeff and I also counsel couples in crises. As well as working with individuals that really need help getting unstuck. I have found, as I have counseled others, that God has used that to teach me and to prepare me for things and issues that I will need to deal with in my own life. I have often benefited
2: more than the counselee. We'll be right back. back. Well, hey, good morning, Overlake. It's wonderful to be with you today. I'm Mike. I'm one of the pastors on the team. Why don't you grab your notes out of your handout, follow along with me today. We're going to finish our series called Unstuck, and uh, today's message is called Growing. We're going to wrap it up with the last couple of big truths uh, of this process of being unstuck. Today, these uh, last two look a little bit like disciplines that we can invoke in our lives, and uh, uh, I'm going to unpack that a little bit more in a moment. But I want to begin by letting you know that this last week, I got braces put on my teeth. Yeah, that's right. And uh, my my teeth have, as an adult, they have become more and more crowded. They've all been moving forward. Oral health was becoming difficult. So this week, on Thursday, I got banded. Um, I think we even have a photo of that, uh, what that looks like there. So... (laughs) My son, Doozy, calls them my bracelets. Oh, you have your bracelets on, Dad. Yes, I do. Uh, and uh, it's, um, it's, it's very humbling. Um, it is uh, an interesting kind of a process. Uh, just r- real, r- real quick, raise your hand if you've ever had braces or currently have braces. Oh, yeah, there's a lot of love in the room right now. Uh, how come you people never told me about the amount of drool that comes with it. Honestly, like the first couple of rows, you're going to have to have some rain slickers. (laughs) I can't even say the word slickers. (laughs) uh, Forgive my lisp, please. Um, I I don't even know who who put the SP in the word lisp. That was some sadistic (laughs) jerk. but friends, I, I just want to say, you know, uh, this is where I am, and I already look like one of the younger pastors on the block, and now with my braces, I look like I'm in junior high, so, uh, uh, but if you think about it for a moment, we've been going through this series, we've been thinking about what does it look like to get unstuck and to, to really walk with Jesus and freedom and wholeness, and, and uh, the interesting thing is with my teeth, right, uh, uh, they need a little discipline. At this juncture in my life. And so for me, uh, for my teeth rather, my orthodontist is my higher power, right? And I have submitted myself willingly and voluntarily uh, to his care and correction. And honestly, I'm looking forward to that day when they come off and there will be just you know, great health and, and uh, you know, freedom in, in, in my mouth. <laughs> There'll be a party. Uh, and it's 18 months of a process, so please hang with me. Um, but already, just so you know, I've got two days down. So I'm very, very excited uh, as we walk that road. But I I just want you to know that when it comes to your life, the higher power we've been talking about is Jesus Christ. And and Jesus is, uh, he is our Lord and he's our Savior, and he is the source of all of our strength as we allow him, as we submit ourselves to him and his process uh, of getting us free and, and out of the bondage that we've worked ourselves into so that we can live in wholeness with him. So I I wanna buzz through the big truths that we've already talked about. If you've been tracking with us, the first is the recognition that I'm not God. I admit I'm powerless to control my tendency to do the wrong thing, and that my life is unmanageable, at least in certain areas. The second truth, uh, believe that God exists, right? I'm not God, he does exist, and I matter to him, that he alone has the power to help me recover The third truth, I choose to commit all my life and will to Christ's care and control. The fourth, I examine and confess my faults to myself, to God, and to someone I trust. The fifth, voluntarily submit to every change God wants to make in my life and humbly ask him to remove my character defects. And then sixth, I evaluate my relationships. I offer forgiveness to those who've hurt me and make amends for harm that I've done to others, except when to do so would harm them further. Okay. So those are the, the big truths that we've unpacked so far. We're going to finish with the last two today. There have been many great stories of how God has used this series and lives being opened up and people living in authenticity, walking this road of confession. Uh, Our Celebrate Recovery ministry has just grown in a dramatic way. It's just been very, very exciting to watch. But I have had a few conversations with folks who are just a little cynical, who think to themselves, you know what, there's no way that just walking this road... Trying to trying to embrace these truths. There's no way that that's really going to bring life change to me. I've been here before. I've heard that before, uh, and I and I kind of have some. I, I have some skepticism. And if that's you, I just I, I I just recognize that in this regard, as in many other regards in our faith journey, this is why it's called faith, right? Faith. It is that confidence that what we hope for will indeed happen. It's that assurance that what we cannot see is a reality. And this is also true when it comes to our own life change. So I would encourage you to have faith in this regard. And the second truth that I would encourage you to is this. That that I would encourage you to work these steps in humility and authenticity. And, And it's not just something that you do one time and then you're done. But the idea is that you might have to work these steps again and again and again. And if you poke into celebrate recovery, if you're a part of an Alcoholics Anonymous group, you know that the the folks who walk through this journey, they keep cycling back again and again and again. Because each time through, God shows them something new. There's some new truth. There's some new health, some new wholeness that he wants to bring them into. So I would encourage you in that regard. This morning I got up early, it's beautiful sunrise, gorgeous outside today, and and I saw uh, as I was working through Psalm 81 today, I saw that God had a message just for me. He has a message for you, and in Psalm 81, God says, oh, that my people would listen to me, following me, walking in my paths. And then he says this, he says, open your mouth wide, and I will fill it with good things. What what a promise of blessing, right? Open your mouth wide, and I will fill it with good things. I have good things for you, things that taste good, things that are good, things that are blessings for you. I have good things. Open your mouth wide. And I read that. I go, oh, God, I wish I could, but I got these rubber bands on my braces, and I just can't, you know. But I want you to understand that God does have health for you, has wholeness for you. Jesus died on the cross so that we could be set free from all of these hurts and habits and hang-ups so that we really could be on the road with him towards total freedom. And that brings us to big truth number seven. As we embrace all of this process of being unstuck, we want to conclude by reserving a daily time with God for self-examination, Bible reading, and prayer in order to know God and his will for my life and to gain the power to follow his will. So we want to connect with God on a daily basis. We want to do this to examine our lives, do some evaluation. We want to do this for prayer, right? We want to do this for getting into God's word so we can understand his heart for us so that we can live the life he calls us to live. Colossians 3.16 says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Let God's word dwell within you and nourish you, right? Give you strength and sustenance. And if you think about it, the analogy of, say, just a plant, right? A flower. What what does a plant need to be healthy? Really, it's very, very simple. Just some sunlight and some water and some nourishment from the soil. That's it. Just some real simple things. When it comes to your life, it's very, very similar that, that God has sunlight for you, but, but he provides that. That's his power shining down on you. Uh, then uh, there's this thing called living water, right? This is God's spirit which dwells within us. And, and then this idea of nourishment. And again, this is God's nourishment for you, for me. But we choose whether or not we nourish ourselves, how we nourish ourselves is by spending time with him, by, by being in prayer with him, by setting aside that time to get into God's word. And so I would encourage you to do that. Philippians 2.13 says, for God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. See, it's not just that God gives you the desire to live a life that pleases Him, the desire to live a whole life or a free life. He gives you that desire, yes, but then He also gives you the power through the nourishment of His Word, through spending time with Him daily. And so I would encourage you daily to check in with God. Evaluate where your heart is. Listen to Jesus. We don't want to return to the old patterns, to the old ways that we've been living. Right, we don't want to re- regress, uh, backslide. We don't want to return to, to the old false saviors that we've looked to, to mitigate our pain, to alleviate our pain, to shove it down one more time. Right? We know what those behavior patterns are like, what those thought processes are like. They don't lead us to life. And so we want God to intervene, and, and, and this is one of those steps that we take. This is a discipline that we employ so that we can be nourished by him. So a couple of things. One, it's a daily reality for us. So daily. It's a daily kind of a priority. Jesus says in Mark fourteen thirty eight, watch and pray so that you'll not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the body is weak. And, and the question that comes up when we talk about daily is when, right? Life is full. Life is busy. When are we going to have time? Well, I don't think you're going to have time. So I really want to encourage you to make time, right? And in your life, what it might mean is that some of the things that you already do, you simply turn them over to spending time with God. For example, drive time. All of us have drive time. We all drive around in town, we're all running errands, we're all maybe commuting to work or heading to school, however that looks for you. I would encourage you, use that time, set it aside to spend with God, right? Uh, Some of you are doing chores, some of you naturally listen to music, maybe you turn that time over to listening uh, to God's words, you know, audio, uh, you know, Bible on tape kind of stuff. I don't know what that looks like. All of us have to wake up in the morning. All of us have to go to bed at night. Maybe we just carve aside a little bit of time around those events to spend with God, right? But we're gonna have to elevate it. We're gonna have to make it a priority. Now, I do wanna let you know that I'm not interested in putting another uh, law in place in your life. This is not some kind of um, spiritual legal checklist that you just check it off your list and then you go out and live however you want to the rest of the time. No, my encouragement is you would incorporate it into the context of your life, right? Joyfully, like, bring that connection to God into how you are fueled, how you live your life during the day. Uh, a buddy of mine was talking to me about this concept of um, spiritual aerobics is, is very similar to the way we stay fit in, in a biological sense, right, our physical fitness, um, the, the trainers that are out there will say the best thing you can do is find something that not only works to keep you healthy, that's functional, but also that you enjoy greatly. Because if you enjoy it greatly, the chances are good you're going to keep doing that activity again and again and again, and physical health is just going to come. Well, the same is true spiritually, So I would encourage you that you would try. There are all sorts of ways to approach this daily time with God. There are a variety of ways that you can approach the throne of grace and meet Jesus there. So I would just encourage you to experiment. Go after all of the different ways that you can think of to connect with God. In my life, I consistently journaled for years. I love getting in God's word, reading portions of it. I have a reading plan that I work. And then I love to get out in nature. Those are three things that I feel, not only are they functional and they connect me with God and allow me to enjoy my relationship with Him, but they also, they, uh, I enjoy them, but they're functional, right? They're functional, I enjoy them, that's what I'm trying to say, kind of mix that up. Uh, I would just encourage you, find something that works for you to connect you with God, something that you really enjoy, okay? Something you really enjoy. You say, well, you know what? I really enjoy surfing on the coast of Indonesia. That's where I connect with God the best. So I'm out of here. You know, uh, if, if, if that's you, right, find other ways. <laughs> that's why I ripstick, by the way, because uh, I can't surf on the Indonesian coast. But here's the deal. Make it a daily priority. The next truth is that you would not only make it a daily priority, but that you would, in fact, be quiet as you connect with God that you would pause, that you would use that time to rest and reflect. And the scripture says in Psalm 4610, be still and know that I am God. I would suggest to you, your life is so loud, it is so busy, the volume is cranked so high that it is just important to put it all aside. Turn the volume all the way down. Right, Just be with God and allow him to meet you in those moments of stillness. What does it look like to be just you? Just who you are, completely loved by God who made you. Right? What does that look like? And I would argue the reason why mornings or, or nights, you know, before you go to bed, the reason why those are good times for you to get with God is because those are, they're predominantly the easiest times in your day where you can be quiet. Right, the house is quiet. Everybody's asleep. Right? You can carve that side aside, uh, of time aside and just be with God. And the last point here is that you would listen, that you would listen to Him as you meet with Him. First Thessalonians five twenty one says, "Test everything that's said. Hold on to what is good." And what that means is, you know, when you're with God, when you're spending time reading God's Word, you're praying. Uh, there are different thoughts that are going to go through your mind, and some of those thoughts are you. And some of those thoughts are just, you know, advertising, media, whatever, uh, education. And some of those thoughts are God. And the challenge is that you would listen, and and Scripture says, and and that you would test them and hold on to what is good. That you would keep the thoughts that are good. That that you would try to discern the thoughts, in fact, that are God's thoughts for you. That are his promptings, that are his, his heart for you. Isaiah 110 says, listen to the Lord. Hear what he is telling you. And so the challenge is that in these times with God, where you're with him daily, where you're quiet, where you're listening, that you would sense in those moments that you are absolutely loved, that God's love for you is complete, that his care for you is overwhelming, that his grace over you is lavishly bestowed. And in those moments of being loved, that you might also sense him prompting you. Right? As you receive his love, uh, he, you might sense him prompting you to love somebody else, to do some good thing, to lay down some thought process, to lay down some entitlement, to put aside some habit. You might sense those things. Hold on to them if they're good. Right? Recognize that's God working in you. That's God prompting you and speaking to you. And, and do this daily and do this in quiet and do this with listening. And, and one of the sharpest tools that we have in our tool shed is the tool of gratitude. So I want to unpack for just a moment of what it is that we can do as we come to God in gratitude. Gratitude is what fuels our growth spiritually. If you are feeling in the blanks, the first one is be thankful to God. Just directly be thankful to him. Express your thanks in the form of praise to God. Philippians 4, 6 says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, and you might want to circle that phrase, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Psalm 107, 15 says, Let them praise the Lord for his great love and for the wonderful things he has done for them. And I declare to you, friends, that God has done so much in your life. God has blessed all of us in this room so richly. He has lavishly loved each one of us. In fact, this is true for everyone on the planet, no matter where we are. Uh, theologians call this the common grace that God has poured out over the entire planet. And God has loved us and he has blessed us and provided for us. And, and, and you, can, you can thank him. Just thank him directly. You can thank him for how far you've come. You know, you look back over the journey that God has brought you and and you can be thankful for how he has met you and how he's carried you and brought you along. And you might still have great distances to cross and and I know I do as well. Uh, The point is, we look, we have great distances to cross but we can still be thankful for what God has done in our lives thus far, right? Now, the problem is we're fallen humans and it's so much easier to complain than it is to be grateful, Right? In fact, I've often said that there's no blessing so great that we can't find a little something to complain about. And so I would just, rec- you know, make sure that you recognize that proclivity in your life, in your heart. Uh, just a couple of things to think about. How many of you have ever been to Disneyland and have ever seen a kid crying or screaming at Disneyland? Raise your hand if you've ever seen a screaming kid at Disneyland. Doesn't that just seem wrong? Like, don't you want to grab that kid and say, "You can't cry here. It's the happiest place on earth, right? You can't cry." But that's just it. That's how we're wired, friends. I want to tell you, there's always something to be thankful for. In fact, we we found a couple of visuals to share. You can always be thankful for something. You can be thankful that you're not the one who designed this sign. Okay. <laughs> you can be thankful you're not the one who drove this car. All right, although that is a a good place to drive it, I suppose. You can be thankful that you're not the one who built this building, right? There's always something to be thankful for. And in fact, I was talking to the guys about it this week. We found a survey... That was recently conducted in over a hundred different national cultures. And the survey was to determine who, which culture on the planet is the happiest culture, okay? And the conclusion of this survey was that the Danish people are the happiest people on the planet, Now, as you get into the study and you see sort of the reasoning why it is that those who live in Denmark are the happiest people on the planet, it's because they have very low expectations. Apparently, the Danes, they understand that they're going to be cold and they're going to be wet and they're going to eat herring. And anything beyond that is a total plus. And so they are happy, right? They're thrilled. Now, I just want to say to you, there is a better way to go you can have great expectations for your life. You you can expect greatness. You can expect freedom. You can expect that the God of the universe loves you, that you matter to him, that he died on a cross so that you could be set free. There are all sorts of expectations you can have. So I don't want you to lower your expectations. I want you to be thankful for the blessings you've already received, right? This kind of gratitude releases all kinds of power for life change, The next thing you can be thankful for is you can be thankful for sanctification. Sanctification. If you don't know what sanctification is, that's a Bible word. It just means that as we follow Jesus, we are becoming more like him. That's what sanctification means, that our character is being conformed to the character of Christ. So we can be thankful that this is work that is happening in our lives, even as we live, even as we breathe, as we go through this journey of life. Several years ago I had a running buddy named Doug and, and Doug and I would run on the trails in Southern California and we run by this development, it was a housing project that was being built and we could tell it was kind of an expansive project, a, a sort of a, a really high dollar home that was being built, but we noticed that it was being built in starts and stops, right? That they would, you know, they would begin to put up the siding and then they would stop about three quarters of the way through. They put the roof on, but then after they put the roof on, it was like months of, they didn't touch anything. Uh, they would begin to do the landscaping, but then they would, they would finish about halfway complete. And, and we, just, we were just sort of curious as to how this building project was going on. And, and finally, my buddy Doug started calling it his sanctification home. And I said, why are you calling it the sanctification home? And he said, well, number one, it's being built in phases. Number two, you can tell it's a beautiful design. I mean, this thing is gonna be Magnificent when it's finished. And number three, it's probably not going to be finished in our lifetime. Uh, so he said that, that that's his sanctification home. And honestly, that makes sense, right? In your life and my life, we're being built in phases. We we grow through different seasons of life. We grow through good times, we grow through hardship right? Circumstances come, they go, we grow through those seasons. So we, we are built, we are being sanctified in seasons. God has an absolutely incredible blueprint for your life, right? It's magnificent, and it's probably not going to be complete in this lifetime, right? It will be complete, and we will be presented perfect at some point, but probably not in this lifetime. C.S. Lewis writes uh, this. He says, imagine yourself as a living house, God comes in to rebuild that house. At first, perhaps, you can understand what he's doing. He's getting the drains right, stopping the leaks in the roof, and so on. You knew that those jobs needed doing, and so you're not surprised. But presently, he starts knocking the house about in a way that hurts abominably and does not seem to make sense. What on earth is he up to? The explanation is that he's building quite a different house from the one you thought of, throwing out a new wing here putting on an extra floor there, running up towers, making courtyards. You thought you were going to be made into a decent little cottage, but he is building a palace. He intends to come and live in it himself. God is doing something in you. He's doing something to you. Uh, A visual way to to express this is uh, a a really great follower of Jesus named St. Francis built a little chapel outside of the town of Assisi. And this little chapel that he built—it's only big enough for about twelve people to come in and to pray and to connect with Jesus. And and uh, Francis was a good guy, and he did all sorts of great things, and followed Jesus well. And so after his death, uh, they came in and they built a church around this church, and it's uh, a fairly magnificent structure. And it's fairly lofty and it points to the heavens. And, and the interesting thing is um, St. Francis had one idea and, and everyone else had another. Here's the deal. You might have one idea of your life. Just a very simple, humble, uh, doesn't really impact too many people kind of a thing. God has a magnificent plan for your life. He, he desires for you to recognize that he is building a masterpiece with you. He's he's building courtyards and towers and 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 it's a palace, and he's going to live in it himself. See, this is the process of sanctification. You can be thankful that this process is going on all the time. In fact, the entire series called Unstuck goes after this end, that we would give God more and more access to do His work in our lives. Hebrews 12.1 says, "As for us, we have this large crowd of witnesses around us, so." Let us rid ourselves of everything that gets in the way, and the sin which holds on to us so tightly. Let us run with determination the race that lies before us. And then the third fill in here: be thankful for your church. That's right, Overlake. I'm giving you a shout out today. Be thankful for your church. You are beautiful. God is building and has built a beautiful church right here and right now. You are amazing, brothers and sisters. You are powerful saints. You are real and messy and complicated and generous. You are servant-hearted and authentic, and you are on a great trajectory. I love inviting friends into this community. I love how warm and friendly you are, how kind and selfless you are, how prayerful you are, and how gracious you are as you seek to follow Jesus Christ. Friends, we are not perfect, but we have a lot to be thankful for here at Overlay Christian Church. When was the last time you were just straight up thankful? You drove into the parking lot and your heart just swelled with gratitude that you could come to a place where hundreds of others would come around you and you could, in a corporate setting, offer your praise and express your thanks to God, where the Bible could be open and taught and there'd be no fear of political recrimination. No fear that the government would shut us down, that there'd be any kind of persecution that would happen. When was the last time you were just overflowing with gratitude that we can be on this journey together as brothers and sisters free from fear? See, the Bible says that we're to enter into his gates with thanksgiving. In Psalm 100, verse 4, it says, enter the temple gates with thanksgiving. As we come into the presence of God, Let's come in with our hearts filled with gratitude. And, and it's an incredible fuel for the life that he calls us to live. We should be grateful when we come to him in our daily time, when we come to him in our, in our quiet time, when we come to him listening to what he has for us. So that's number seven, and here's number eight. Give myself to God to be used to bring this good news to others, both by my example and by my words. By my example and by my words, I want to be used by God to share his good news with others. And this is the part, uh, honestly, where we're giving back a bit. Everything else up to this point has been, how do we nourish ourselves? How do we get on the right path? How do we walk with Jesus in the wholeness? This is the step where we're actually giving back, where we're helping others. And I love how we have shown these video testimonies week in and week out through this series All kinds of people sharing what it is that God has done in their life. What I want you to understand is that even as they share, what they're doing is they're saying, God has touched me. Now they're using that story to touch your life as well. we got one more video we'd like to show you. I'm no longer a slave to
0: my perception of what other people think of me.
2: I, uh, I haven't had a drink since uh, March 23rd of 2009 and i uh, been sober ever since and I'm celebrating victories over uh, drugs and alcohol and other isms. We hold each other accountable. We hold each other up. We pray for each other. It's a safe place and I just can't imagine what my life would be without Celebrate Recovery. It's, um, I, the last few years have been the healthiest years, I'm talking about mental and probably physical health as well. So I was able to come to a place where I could be completely honest about my past and about my struggles, and I was met with grace and understanding. I found hope and strength in in my groups and my peers. I saw recovery in my marriage. I didn't have to be in control anymore. That's God's job. And um, the CRs, for anybody with a hurt habit or hang up, it's not just about the addict. It's also about those of us that have had to deal with the effects of living with an alcoholic. I am now married, substance free. And Jesus is giving me victory and shaping me into a husband and a great father for two eight-year-old boys.
1: But thanks to accountability partners, serving in CR, prayer, and God's grace, I now see how stuck I was.
0: Then I got involved with Celebrate Recovery, who helps me to give back a little bit of what Jesus has so freely given me. I give my time. I sponsor people. I, share what has happened to me. Uh, We went my first trip to China and we were able to talk to men and women, young men and women about Jesus through Celebrate Recovery. It was, it's so awesome and we're just really, now we're looking forward to my third trip coming up in September. So since then I've been asked to head up the prison ministry for Overlake and that's where I focus most of my time um, to help other men who have offended
2: to not re-offend. And I'm in a place where I can really offer hope to other people that no matter how deep the hole, God can deliver you out of it. And I'm grateful to Jesus Christ for that.
0: 30 years later, now my marriage has been healed. We've been married 33 years, and I'm the pastor of Celebrate Recovery.
2: Yeah, let's, let's cheer on all of our testimonies in this series. That's been great. That's been great. I, I want you to notice the, the next verse, right? This is the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians 1.3. He says, Let us give thanks to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the merciful Father, the God from whom all help comes. Now check this out. He helps us in our troubles in all our troubles, so that we are able to help those who have all kinds of troubles using the same help that we ourselves have received from God, right? That's the story of all these testimonies. God's helped them in their troubles, and now they're just turning it back and, and seeing if they can't help someone else in, in someone else's troubles. And, and that's what is meant by growing, right? We receive help that we need. We're met by God. He, he touches us. He saves us. He begins to heal us. And then now we're able to, to shift our focus and begin to help others, right? Some with the same problems that we've had. And, and this really is, is the idea of growing. It, it's mirrored spiritually in the physical world. Physically, we move from being babies into adulthood and maturity. We move from being helpless to being strong, from being selfish to being selfless, from being bottle-fed to being self-fed, from requiring care constantly to being able to offer care to others. And that's this process of growth. We begin to shift and to turn the attention away from ourselves. We begin to help others, to serve others. All of this, friends, it is what Jesus himself modeled for us. And if you'll remember on the last night before the crucifixion, when he was with his disciples, he took a towel. And he took a basin of water and he washed their feet. He served them. And then after he served them, he said these words, John 13. And since I, the Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash each other's feet. I've given you an example to follow. Do as I have done to you. And so in light of this series, in light of the the predominant theme of living unstuck, how might we serve? How might we give back? The first fill-in is I would challenge you to be an accountability partner in someone else's life, that you would be an accountability and a help in their life. Last week, we talked about how we need three to five people in our life that we are able to call at a moment's notice who can care for us, encourage us, pray for us, who can support us and lift us up. And um, that means three to five people that you would invite into your life to provide accountability for you. Now how you might find these people, if you don't know who these people are, through a life group that friendship might develop, uh, through a Celebrate Recovery support group uh, or one of our Caring Ministries support groups, uh, through biblical counseling, maybe just a group of friends, but all your friends have the same faith, the same values, and you become accountability for one another. Student ministries goes after this. Friends, your pastor has accountability in his life. And I would encourage you to have accountability as well. Right? You would invite those relationships into your life. But I also know this, that if somebody asks you to be their accountability partner, you're ready for it. You can do it. If somebody says, hey, I'd love to ask you to hold me accountable in this regard. You know what? If you're walking honestly, not perfectly, but if you're walking honestly with Jesus if you're seeking to, to live these truths of, of authenticity in your faith, then friends, you are absolutely ready. See, this idea of accountability, it has to be invited. Somebody has to invite you into that relationship, right? You don't just go out of here. We, we end up service, and you walk out into the hallway, and you're like, hey, you know what? You, you look like a sinner. Can, can I hold you accountable? You know, like, that's not going to work, okay? This is one of those, it, it kind of a, it's, a, it's a relationship where you're going to need to be invited in. And so I would simply encourage you to begin to foster relationships that you would have accountability in your own life, and then be available to being accountability in someone else's life. I heard the analogy this week that redwood trees are able to grow so tall and they are so strong and it's not because their roots necessarily go so deep. It's because for the redwood forest, their roots intertwine with the other roots of other redwood trees. And the more they're intertwined, the more impervious they are to all sorts of weather conditions. They can stand and they can grow and they can become towering monuments to health. And friends, so can you, as long as you are open to being accountability and to to loving and caring and supporting one another, right? This is what it means to be a family together, a Christian family, a family who's on the journey of following Jesus. The next fill-in, I would encourage you to be involved in Celebrate Recovery or in care ministries. And again, I mentioned these ministries have really flourished over this last five weeks or so. I would just tell you that all of our leaders, whether they're lay counselors in our caring ministries, support group leaders, sponsors in Celebrate Recovery, just servants, I I would just tell you that all of them, right, they're simply humble men and women who recognize that God has touched them and now who are offering out of, out of that wellspring, right? They have been uh, experienced health in some significant way. Now they're serving so that others might find health as well. And friends, if that's where you are, I'd love to encourage you to jump in. And the last fill-in is to invest in a younger life. Whether this might be through children's ministries, perhaps student ministries, uh, or maybe for you, it's simply that you would find someone who's you know 10 years younger than you, and you would invite them to coffee, begin a friendship where you can simply support them and encourage them and just see what God does with that relationship. About three years ago, uh, a local pastor, he's about 10 years older than I am, he, he contacted me, he invited me out to coffee, and we began a friendship then. And over the last couple of years, he's just a bit further ahead in the journey. He's, he's got this wisdom. He's got this humor. He's just got this incredible perspective. And he has been a mentor and a support to me. I've been so thankful. Pastor Gary, right? Dr. G. Dr. G, he mentors uh, fuller theological students. He's, he's got younger pastors, lay leaders that, that he's in this relationship of mentoring with. I, I would just encourage you. Again, it's not like you find someone and say, hey, man, you're messed up. I can fix you. That's not it at all. It's simply that you would invite someone to coffee, begin to walk that road of friendship, and then just see what God does with it. Okay. All these things we've been talking about, friends, all eight of these steps I would hate it if you would look at these steps as some kind of a formula that you would work diligently in order to get God to love you. Because, friends, that's absolutely wrong. God already loves you, right? God has already lavishly poured out his love over your life. He has absolute grace for you. Jesus Christ died on the cross so that every sin could be forgiven, so that all of our hurts and our habits and our hangups could be completely overwhelmed with this rising tide of his grace and his love over us so that we could live free and whole, so that we could experience abundant and full life. That's God's plan for you. So we don't work these steps in order to get God to love us. God's already settled that issue. He loves you. Friends, I would encourage you to work the steps just the opposite. I think we prevent ourselves from experiencing God's love we build barriers, whether they're thought processes, whether they're behavior patterns, whether they're false saviors. You know, the Bible just calls it all sin. And so I would encourage you to walk in these truths so that we would rip down those barriers, so that we would reject those false saviors, so that we could be free to experience the full measure of God's love for us. That's what I would encourage you to do. Jesus loves you. Overlake, we're ready to continue to walk on this road. To live a life that is unstuck, a life that is absolutely free, and to see what God does with it. Are you ready? Let's do it. Why don't we pray together? Lord Jesus, I want to thank you for the way in which you have loved us and met us with your love and grace. I want to thank you that on my best day, I'm still in need of your grace, and on my worst day, I'm never out of reach of your grace. And God, I want to thank you for that reality. And now I do ask that as we have walked these, these steps, Lord, as we've unpacked the scripture around them, my prayer is that each and every person here would experience your, your touch, that you would give them just the courage to recognize that, yes, you do have life change, that you do have the power that they need. You do have an incredible blueprint for their lives. God, would you allow them to walk in faith knowing that you know exactly who they are exactly where they are, and you're excited to walk with them. We pray all of this knowing that it's an incredible privilege that the God of the universe hears our prayers. We're so thankful to you. We're so grateful for all of your blessings. We pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.